podcast. We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Welcome to a new series on justice. It's such a significant word. It's a a small word, but a weighty word. Many people have lived and died fighting for justice. Whole industries and institutions have been set up to establish justice. And whole industries and institutions have failed to maintain it. Some people wait a lifetime for it. Some people never see it. Some walk in it. It affects all of us. So I just wanted you to turn to the people around you and uh, in your households, at home, where you are, and just have a 20-second conversation about what you think justice means or what it is. So there you go, 20 seconds. And please do share your thoughts on the chat at home. And hopefully we can get some slides up as well. That would be great. Thank you. Okay, that's plenty of time to give a comprehensive answer. (laughs) We're going to press on, if that's okay. Um, I've actually got a video that I wanted to show you. So um, the Bible Project, who are an amazing group on YouTube, and they've just launched an app as well, have made a video about justice. And I've just got a clip from it, but the whole thing is essential viewing this series. But here's a little clip just to start us off. Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that. But we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use. But what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. 
Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. Brilliant. So our mission statement as a church at Open Heaven is, you say it. (laughs) You all know it. Making disciples who establish heaven on earth. And Jesus spoke often of the kingdom of heaven. And we know that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he told them to ask the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven or as in heaven so on earth so here is how we are approaching the justice series for the next few months imagine a light with a different color filter applied to it each week where the light represents the kingdom of heaven each week we will hold a different lens representing an area of justice over that light asking how it looks with a heavenly perspective What has God said? What is the kingdom of heaven like? And what does it look like to establish that on earth? That's what we're going to do for this series on justice. Now, we've done series on the kingdom before. We've done weekends away on the kingdom before. It will be a theme that will always be relevant to us. I said in in a series we did on the kingdom a while ago that the kingdom is the essence and the governance of heaven. It's about rule and reign. It's not about so much real estate. It's more a way of living than a place. It's the reality of the rule and reign wherever we are. And when people say yes to Jesus, the kingdom can be known. So the kingdom has a king. And the culture of the kingdom is in the image of the king's character. Here's a verse that I thought is really helpful. It says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. In Psalm 50. Now, God's character is broad, multifaceted, but this is undoubtedly part of who God is a God of justice. And as that video shows, we were made in the image of a just God. We're in his likeness. We are then a people of justice. You may have noticed in that video and in your Bibles that combination of righteousness and justice coming together so often. And you may also have noticed from me that I enjoy looking at those words and where they come from and what the video was just saying. And I'm going to just draw a little bit more out of those two Hebrew words and introduce one Greek word. So the, the Hebrew is kind of the Old Testament language and Greek is most common New Testament language. And the guys in the video spoke about these two words, mishpat and tzedakah. And the kind of, if I was overly simplifying those translations, I would say that mishpat was doing justice and tzedakah was being righteous. And these two things come together in Scripture all throughout the Old Testament. 
And mishpat is the most common. It talks about treating people fairly, giving people their rights, whereas tzedakah is about right relationships. And together, these words form a really helpful understanding of biblical justice. So over and over again in Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, you see, well, completely in the Old Testament because it's Hebrew, you see mishpat describing taking up the care and the cause of the vulnerable. And there's a group known as the quartet of the vulnerable in Scripture, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, and the poor. And taking up their care and their cause is what is known as doing justice. But we get more insight when we look at Sedekar with mishpat, because that translates as being just or being righteous. And when most of us hear righteousness in Scripture, we probably think of being personally right with God. Or we think of private morality around sin or spirituality. But in the Bible, Sedekah refers to -to day-to-day living in which we conduct all our relationships in family and in society with fairness, with generosity and equity. And that is why those two things come together. And the suggestion is that if we all lived Sedekah, there would be justice if everyone did that. Now, you've noticed so far that the references, even in the video and so far from me, have been in the Old Testament. Now, I think it's really helpful to start there to understand the basics and the foundations of justice. And we know from the Old Testament that the law that established justice and the prophets that called the people of God back to justice both pointed towards Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus said himself in the Sermon on the Mount that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So it all flows and it all connects. And we will talk more about it right the way through to Revelation, all the way through this series as well. But fascinatingly, the word justice does not really appear in in a lot of translations of the New Testament. Now, for those of you like me who know that social justice is central to Christianity, you might be thinking, what's that about? Why is that? Well, I'm here to tell you. There's a Greek word. that is used, that brings together justice and righteousness to communicate God's character. And that word is, I'm, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, dikaiosune. And that refers to a righteousness, justice, and fulfillment of the law. And that word is used 86 times in the New Testament. So where you may not have seen the word justice, you would have seen this word, often translated as righteousness, And it brings together sort of these two Hebrew words. And actually, this is what I found really fascinating, is that it means that in a lot of the New Testament scriptures, when we see the word righteousness, we can add and justice to get a fuller understanding of what the writers were saying. And I've got some examples here, and I think this is mind-blowing. And even if you just take this away from today, I would have felt like I did something good today. So here's four verses where this is applied. So we're adding and justice to righteousness. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, but seek first his, it doesn't, yeah, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and justice. And all these things will be given to you as well. I just find that really helpful. It's just that next level of understanding for me. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness and justice of God. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness and justice. Faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And then 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, 
so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness and justice. By his wounds you have been healed. So there you go. There's a little bit of words stuff for those of you who are interested. And if you're bored of that, I apologize. But I didn't want to just say justice is really important to the kingdom of heaven and not back it up. So there you go. Enjoy those words. Now, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, gives us a prophetic vision of what the kingdom of heaven will look like. And it talks of a new heaven and a new earth. And it says there's a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And God announces, I am making everything new and says there will no longer be any curse. Now the significance of this piece of scripture can be lost on some of us who feel secure in life, who don't maybe feel the constant threat of injustice. But for those who are at the end of injustice, the idea that heaven holds the real and concrete hope of complete justice is absolutely incredible. There's a little picture that might show you a little bit of what that looks like. You see, you might have seen this. It's often used in different organizations. Reality is there's a massive discrepancy between people groups on the planet. Equality would look like everyone having the same support, but it doesn't actually fix the need. Equity would be everyone being able to see the same thing, and justice is removing the barriers that block people from ever experiencing the fullness of life that was promised them. The promise of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is full justice for every human being. And that is major, major news. Now, we know that this isn't just a hope for one day, but it is what we are invited to establish here and now. We just sang the song that Emily and co. wrote, prophetic song. We are the church for the here and now. And Tim Keller, who is an amazing uh, writer, pastor, theologian, says that we are a pilot's plant of the future kingdom of God a place for the world to get a partial glimpse of what the humanity will look like under Jesus' kingship and justice. Scripture talks about us, us being ambassadors of Christ. It's that sort of thing. We are representatives. Now, when God sits on the throne and says, I am making everything new, he is also saying, I am making everything right. It doesn't take much for us to know that everything is not right on the earth right now. We were just talking about that. We were just praying about that. We've been interceding for that. We know that everything is not right on the earth, but God will make it so. And I found the imagery in that video of people being pushed down or lifted up really helpful. And I think it's really important that we all understand that when we talk about justice and when we talk about injustice, we are talking about human beings. We're talking about people. We're talking about living things. We're talking about you and me, us, everyone. And sometimes what we do is we dehumanize or depersonalize issues to help us understand them or to make us feel more comfortable. 
So we often, we talk about racism as kind of like this ethereal concept or a subject that's out here. And we can forget that actually it's about the wrong treatment of people. And we talk about war and we kind of refer to weaponry and territory and we forget that it's about people killing and being killed. And we talk about poverty and we talk about politics and this kind of theory out there and we realize that we're forgetting that poverty relates to people who don't have enough resources to survive or live. All living things, people, animals, planets, are subject to just and unjust human behavior. The whole earth is affected by this. And when we depersonalize or dehumanize, we're missing the heart of God. We need to know that doing justice and being righteous relates to how we think and behave towards people and the living things that God has made. I know that I am very guilty of that. I know that it's easy for me to box people, to make groups, to depersonalize, to take the image of God out of the context, but it is never the way of God. But also, this is never just about individual personal responsibility. Individualism does not serve the body of Jesus. And in the New Testament, it is nowhere near as weighty as corporate or communal responsibility. The message of the kingdom is of adoption into family, calling into community, and teamwork for transformation. We have to know that we are interconnected and interdependent. And when we live as though we are not, it could be argued that we are not doing justice or being righteous. The early church understood that they were part of a new community. Jesus' friend, disciple, and apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And this kind of individualization of our culture has damaged communities and a sense of communal responsibility for people and planets. And we know and we've been reminded that the world does not revolve around me or you. We cannot be the people God has called us to be by ourselves. We need others, we need each other, and we need to treat people as if they were made in the image of the God we love and worship. Krish Kandaya, who I, I used to work with, says in his book, Home for Good, caring about worship means worship by caring. And he's referencing Isaiah chapter 1, which is well worth reading. And it feels easy to be hope, hopeless about injustice when that kind of corporate feels so powerful, when you feel so small against bigger organizations. But remember, the institutions are made up of people. Businesses are made up of people. Governments are led by people. Armies are staffed by people. Industries are led by people. We buy from people. We sell to people. We are served by people. We serve people. We are entertained by people. Our purchases affect people. People, the image of God. And I pray that God would transform the hearts and minds of people. That he would transform my heart and mind and ours. You know, after 9-11, Pastor Rick Warren, um, prolific author, led a service at his church in the immediate aftermath of the terrorist attacks in America. And it was full. People had flocked to be there to hear what he was going to say in response to 9-11. 
And churches around the U.S. had responded, and there was probably some predictable backlash and kind of triumphalist revenge message in the mix for a lot of people. But Warren instead told his congregation that humankind, all of us, is capable of great evil. Every one of us needs to recognize that darkness can be present in all of us. Because when we other people, casting them just as enemy or just as victims, we miss the reality of the human condition that all of us are capable of. And we treat them then less as the image of God. Paul wrote in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. The whole world needs Jesus. Especially me. And there should be a desperation in our prayer for his will to be done and his kingdom to come. I really felt that's what we were doing there at the end of our worship time. It was, that was intercessory. That was, that was a cry for heaven to come. When I approach God in, in these prayers around justice, I want to be saying to him, God, how many more people need to needlessly die on this earth in wars they haven't started? How many more people need to be crushed by the selfishness and greed of others? How many more people need to be in poverty while trillions of dollars circle the globe? How many more families need to be destroyed by drugs, mental health, domestic violence? How many more children need to be abused or neglected? How many more households need to plunge into crisis? There's a desperation in those prayers. And the early Christians used to say, come quickly. Come quickly, God. Injustice is supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be painful. It's not how things are meant to be. It's not the hope of heaven, is it? But this yearn for justice can sharpen our prayer life. It can move us to repentance. It can motivate us into action. Pete Gregg writes that Jesus commands us to engage with the needs of the world, not just to pray from afar, but to live holy lives in the midst of the mess. Romans 8 refers to the whole creation groaning as in the pains of childbirth for its freedom from brokenness. And to us, groaning as we await our adoption and for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. There is a groaning, a yearning, and yet we have hope. There is justice and freedom that will come to us, and it will not be at the expense of anyone else. Paul wrote in Colossians about God reconciling to himself all things through Jesus. He is going to claim everything back, and he is going to renew everything. And Peterson paraphrased that passage to say that all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. There is hope for us. The Dutch theologian and politician Abraham Kuyper has this very used, often used quote, and it says, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. It is all ultimately his, and it will all one day be his. 
And this is another, another quote that I love about the hope of what is to come. And it's attributed to the anchoress Julian of Norwich of the 14th century. It says, all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. We are invited to establish that on the earth. To be representatives of that reality. That is the concrete hope of the kingdom of heaven. And at our weekend away, Martin Young referenced a verse in Romans, another beautiful verse, which is enriched by a fuller understanding of that word righteousness. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and justice, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So for the next three-ish months as a church, we will be journeying through the series on justice. We'll be having talks, panels, podcasts. We've got two exciting guest speakers coming to speak to us this term. It's going to be encouraging. It will be challenging and it will impact us and it will impact beyond us. And I want to invite us all to pray, to respond together in prayer, to pray for each other. And my hope is that just around the room and everyone at home that you would move together maybe in little groups of threes or fours, twos and threes, and we're going to pray. And I've got kind of five prayer pointers that, um, I think that's actually six, or is it five? I can't count. Five. Five prayer pointers. It's not a set prayer. You pray however you feel led. But this is kind of where I thought we might land, and Anita's going to pick this up with the worship team. So the first one is, reveal more of your kingdom to us today. What is it that God might want to show us or reveal to us about his kingdom here? Show us where your kingdom is in our midst. That's referencing the Gospels, where it says the kingdom is in your midst. Show us where we can do justice and equip us. Show us where we have failed to do justice. Forgive us. And then, of course, your kingdom come, your will be done here as in heaven. So I don't know, guys, if you want to come up and just um, help facilitate this time together. Everyone else, it's just a chance to, to pray together. It would be easy for me to pray for everybody. But I really think it's important that we are all empowered and equipped to contribute today and beyond today. So just um, feel free to move, to, to shake things up a bit, change a chair position, whatever it is. Get into the group. We're going to pray. I think we're going to just flow with what God's doing in the room today and, and wherever you are.